Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. It is April the 9th in the year 2021. I'm your host Jim Grant and I'm going to be bringing you a variety of stories from across the political spectrum and around the world today. And it's going to be lots of good news stories, I think, as a theme developing. NHS to cancel vaccinations with AstraZeneca over the under 30s. We've got a really important bit of information from the Office of National Statistics. Total deaths in 2019 and 2020 so far in the UK. It's really interesting as regards to how many people died of COVID. I'm certain regular listeners to this show can guess where that's going to go. Not so good news. Belgian mounted police trample revellers uh, with horses and use water cannons. Um, Yeah, the footage is quite uh, horrific really. Just this woman just... I don't know whether she was taken off her... Yeah, I think she was taken off her top by the look of it, but she certainly wasn't being um, violent or anything. Oh, I'll, I'll talk into it when we go into the article. Other news. Scientists find evidence uh, that uh, there's some toxic chemicals in the face masks. Do you remember I heard rumours about that and I said I don't want to cover it on this show, just I'll cover that there are some rumours. Well, we've got a mainstream article covering that now, so now I'm going to rule that, give that out as well. Uh, US rules out federal vaccine passports and there are numerous states that have gone further than that, um, which is great news. Um, There was even a bit of uh, grief with that in the UK as well, but again, I'll diverge into that later on. Scientists fear wave of lawsuits over delays to cancer treatments. Yeah, we'll cover that in more detail as well. Of course, Prince Philip is dead. I'll give you my opinion on that as well. And many, many other things. Lots of happy news stories here tonight. Elon Musk with playing around with monkeys and orders in their brains. Uh, Chris Whitty has said we need to live uh, with COVID in a similar way to flu. Oh dear, I wonder if the Facebook fact checkers will ban him for that because uh, that's called a conspiracy theory, isn't it? That the COVID is like the flu. So we'll have to see what happens to that. Again, back to Elon Musk. He wants to build some sort of Jurassic Park for real life. Uh, Pubs reopening on April the 12th. The real Lord of the Flies experiment on that. Uh, and many, many other things from around the world and across the political spectrum. Let's get into article number one. I'm going to get through this quickly today. I like it when I cover lots of news quickly rather than spend time on one article and then quickly have to make it up with the rest. Right, so this is from The Independent. NHS England is to cancel all booked first dose coronavirus vaccinations for adults under 30 from tomorrow after the change in advice over the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. From tomorrow, anyone aged between 18 and 29 who has been scheduled to have the AstraZeneca vaccine will have their appointment cancelled and they will be told to contact their GP to discuss their preference. It is thought the cancellations will affect several thousand people who were booked for a vaccine, including younger health and social care workers, unpaid carers and people living with relatives who have a compromised immune system. On Wednesday, concerns about the possible link between the Oxford AstraZeneca jab and rare blood clots triggered a change in advice from the government's Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, which said anyone under 30 should be offered an alternative vaccine as a precaution. Is Facebook going to call those people uh, JCVI conspiracy theorists now? 
um, and ban them just like they did the Great Barrington Declaration doctors and other doctors who had warned of this exact same thing. Are they going to be reinstated now they were accurate? And my only question is, why only the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine? And also, happens to be, you know, all this bad publicity and withdrawn just at the time that Bill Gates' Moderna uh, vaccine is coming to the UK. But So those are my questions. Uh, suddenly, the... Uh, the experts that we should be told to listen to sound like the conspiracy theorists. So question number one, what happens to them? Question number two, what happens to the conspiracy theorists who said exactly the same thing as these people but said it months in advance and were banned? Do they get re-put back on the platform? Does Facebook apologise to them? And three, why only the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine? Because we've seen numerous side effects from the other vaccines as well. And it is important to point out that this was only a small number of the percentage of people who took the vaccines. Um, we don't have the exact numbers of, you know, X percentage had no symptoms, X percentage had mild, X percentage had heavy. We don't have that. So it's important to put that into perspective uh, because I always like to point out just because I'm running something down doesn't mean that I admit that it has merits as well. Next one. This is so important. If you're taking on board my request of saying, right, what's the most important COVID news? Because this is the sort of stuff that people need to hear because it's an absolute fact from the government's own sites. And yet it flies in the face of what other people seem to be experiencing in their own head as regards to COVID. It's death rate. It's this, that and the other, that, that state of perpetual fear. Oh, got to take the vaccine, don't want to die of COVID. Um, well, there's 1% chance dying of COVID. Don't yet have the facts on uh, and the numbers on the number of percentage have died from the vaccine or had serious side effects. So can't tell you which one's uh, better. That is, of course, assuming the vaccine works. <laughs> well, watch this space for this one. So this is from the Office of National Statistics from the UK government. It's release date, 1st of December 2020. So, instantly a criticism of this could be, oh, this was before the next big wave of COVID. Loads of people died in that. All right, fair point. Um, assuming, of course, you know the rules about the 28-day law, if they test positive and the flaws with the test, and that the vast number of people that died from COVID had other um, comorbidities as well. So assuming you, you understand those absolute facts that we've covered on this show before, uh, you know, that's a fair point to make that this is before the second uh, wave, so on and so forth. It's also really important to remember that flu all but disappeared in the UK. Suddenly, no normal flu, all COVID. So let's look keep those facts in our head when we read through this uh, it's gonna I'm gonna read it to you you asked I didn't make this request whoever it, uh, this is a freedom of information request so whoever did this good for you um, but I'm gonna read to you the data and I'm I mean I don't watch the television but I can usually guess what the television has said by the emotional outpour on social media TV wants me to be angry today. It wants me to be upset today. It wants me to hate this cause or person today. Generally, you can see that. Um, and I haven't seen anything about this. So this is why I do this podcast. 
You asked, would you please give me the total number of deaths in the UK in 2019 and the total number of deaths in the UK so far in 2020? Give exact date latest figure relates to. We said, thank you for your inquiry. We are responsible for the production of mortality data for England and Wales. This is driven by information collected from the death certificate at death registration. National Records Scotland, NRS, Northern Ireland Statistics and Regency Agency are responsible for statistics pertaining to Scotland and Northern Ireland. They can be contacted at, and it gives out the uh, email addresses if you want to do that for yourself, do find the link on our website, sorry, not website, Facebook page or parlour page, Beyond the News. Um, yes, uh, it will be in singular form on Parlour. It won't let me do... On, on Facebook, I can put all the sources for Show 35 in one format. It doesn't let me do that in Parlour for whatever reason. So uh, you'll be able to find them in various forms and look it up for yourselves. That's what we're all about. So in 20... Anyway, want to see the numbers. Shut up, Jim. In 2019, there were 530,000... 841 deaths registered in England and Wales. That's 530841. Using the deaths registered in England and Wales provisional, as at week 46, 13th of November 2020, 5,029,928 registered deaths in England and Wales. <coughs> so, fair point. There were still six weeks to go, and those six weeks had quite a lot of COVID deaths, if the news is to be believed. However, the impact of uh, wave one, if that's what you want to call it, the one when we were initially locked down in March and everything like that, um, it don't look like a pandemic to me. If you go and look back at history and look at the death figures for the Spanish flu, I think you'll see quite a big old jump in deaths. Granted, this is week 46 and there's six weeks missing, but 529928 five is not that much less than 530841. So there you go. Put that together with the fact that flu has all but disappeared and COVID, number one, these are the four, the four main stories I think we really need to get out to people. One, not a massive overall death rate rise. And again, I'll you know keep you updated as we get that December number. Uh, two, the flu has all but disappeared and it's all COVID. Three, you need to know how they're recorded. Test positive and die within 28 days. No, you're not coughing yourself to death or anything like that. Tested positive, dead within 28 days. Fact number four, those tests are dodgy to say the least. Those four facts, everyone needs to understand. Those four articles. So you've got this one, the Office of National Statistics. You've got one from a few podcasts ago about the flu disappearing. You can just duck, duck, go that and bring that, that article. Three, you need to know about the COVID deaths. That's an RT. I think that's podcast number 16, something like that. You can see the links on the Spotify page. Just copy and paste them. We need to get that, and for, again, it was a few weeks ago when it when I covered the August the 12th off the top of my head statement from the government. So those four things are what everyone needs to know. Um, maybe I'll just do a wide, well, I will be doing, actually. I will be doing, it won't be on this podcast, but it'll be in another format. I've got another exciting project on the go, which 
I won't tell you much about till it actually happens because that's life. I'm not one of these people that it expects things to run smoothly <laughs> with anything or anyone. But uh, I will be looking at a cost-benefit analysis of lockdown. And there I will be putting forward a nice information pack. And this is definitely going to be in that information pack to people to go, you know, I'm not a COVID denier, but this COVID thing ain't as bad as you think. It's real, but it's really not worth locking down your economy over. In fact, the economy closing down will cause more deaths than it saves, in my opinion. But... I'll actually do the research on that. So, how many lives were saved? don't know. It didn't look like there were that many more deaths anyway. That is from the Office of National Statistics from the UK government, straight from the horse's mouth, or in Boris's case, the ass's mouth. Next one. Uh, yeah. Welcome to... Well, it's not just the UK. Um... Once you get a government that says we can do whatever the hell we want to you without any recourse, they do, in history, tend to do it. And, um, yeah, there's a video. I think she was, yeah, she was topless, this woman, but she wasn't causing any harm or... She was just standing by herself, just getting her kit off, really. Um, I mean, by, by all means, arrest her for a public... Uh, disorder offence but I really don't think there's any need to you know and uh, the, 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 this this horse officer you can see the video of yourself makes no effort to, I mean he heads for her he's deliberately run her over um, he's looking that way he's in a straight line he's going at a reasonable uh, speed he knows what he's doing um, yeah so if you want to arrest her for a public order offence do that but as far as I know getting your tits out isn't a death sentence in Belgium uh, which is what running someone over with a horse uh, could do to someone. And, uh, yeah, in the video, um, yeah, she ain't moving. So I don't know whether she's dead or not, but, um, yeah, she ain't moving. Um, and, yeah, this was all about, I think it's about, like, um, it was like originally an April Fool's joke, I think, in terms of organising the thing in the park. Let's read the article. So, up to 5,000 people descended on Boy de la Chambre Park in Brussels for La Borme, French for The Party, an event originally announced on Facebook as a joke. Despite Belgium's COVID rules barring gatherings of more than four people, the revellers had seemingly hoped to be treated eight stages, 100 DJs and zero coronavirus rules and acts including a one-off reunion of recently split French dance group Daft Punk. Instead, they met with a stern response from the city's police force after the mayor had demanded the youngsters disperse. When they refused to leave, police on horsebacks charged into the crowd while other officers fired water cannons and used tear gas against rowdy partygoers. All in the name of saving lives, though. Running her over with a horse blatantly crushing over her body all in all for her own health all for her own benefit she should be grateful uh, so I am of course being facetious but if you don't stand up for your right <laughs> your rights all sorts of rights are being infringed then this is what happens and if that policeman get it, well, I'll go back to the same thing over and over again 
we can read it out on this podcast, all the wrongs that are being done time and time and time again. But until you actually arrest a police officer or a politician for doing something wrong, they will continue to do it. All right, and, and we see it with Boris Johnson. In, day, in years gone by, even the slightest little thing used to be a resignation. But Boris, ah, there's no point. He's, he's put his foot in the water. Well, just do a few dodgy contracts. Yeah, uh, right. yeah, they're not, not, not pushing back at all. Right, <laughs> open up the floodgates. These people are marks. You know, it's like it's like wolves that see a uh, a little den of rabbits. You know, quick, call the pack. It's lunchtime, boys. Yeah. So um, yeah, getting your breasts out in a public place. A sentence now. Uh, no need for a judge, by the way. The police just automatically enact the sentence. Run them over with the horse. Yep. Um, and I can't... I'm scrolling down. I cannot see anything about the police being arrested. I looked out for were there protests about this, you know. I couldn't see it. So... Um, yeah, I'm still looking. I still can't see anything. But again, if I've missed that article, do feel free to email me beyond the news at protonmail.com. So anyway, that will be coming to London in uh, the summer. I I see no reason why not. They've uh, battered people with batons. Um, you've seen uh, you've seen the the footage on Bitshoot of what happened last summer. There'll be more of them now, and the police will be incredibly buoyed on that not a single one of them has been held to account um, and that in turn hold buoys the politicians because they're the ones giving the orders to do this so yeah um, why not Th this is what dictators do people this is what they do get used to it or educate others about how wrong it is and peacefully unite in protest for the right to protest and not be run over by a horse. Next article, Daily Mail. Another good positive news article here. What we are breathing through our mouth and nose is actually hazardous waste. Scientists find evidence of toxic chemicals in some face masks. Who'd have thought it? I mean, we breathe all that out for a reason, don't we? Now, as I've prefaced before, there was that Reuters article that says... It will give you for 15 to 20 minutes a 0.3 better protection rate against COVID in terms of inhaling it. And it's very effective against you not spreading it, at least for a while. So, um, you know, there are some pros to wearing a mask. But as I said before, there are some cons as well. Let's listen to them, shall we? This is by Joe Pinkstone for the Mail Online. Preliminary analysis found toxic chemicals in some masks. These include known allergens and carcinogens, as well as controlled substances. Masks, <laughs> wonder what they've been inhaling. Masks intended for use by the general public are not deemed to be PPE. Therefore, they do not have to meet the standards of masks worn by doctors. 80% of all masks made worldwide come from China, and concerns have been raised over substandard manufacturing and opaque supply chains. It's funny how... Uh, China wins in all of this, really. And uh, it did, of course, come out of China. 
Funny that. I'm sure, it's just a coincidence, though. Um, that they're and I don't. I don't think they had a vaccine, did they? They just went back on with it pretty much early. They're not in lockdown now. Their economy is booming, and um, yeah, they're, they're buying up things for pennies on the pound, as far as I hear. Some of the Chinese companies. But that's okay though. Having everything run by China, I mean, it's great. It's um, they've got a wonderful history of human rights and looking after their citizens. So I'm sure that will all work out just fine. And of course, that is a critique of the Chinese Communist Party, uh, not the people. Uh, the people. All the Chinese people I've ever met are incredibly nice people, which is probably why um, they're not standing up for themselves and they're under one of the most horrific human rights regimes on earth. Polite people bend over and take it. It is their nature. Uh, if you go and look at the people on Facebook that are um, that are, you know, the most likely to comply with a variety of things, um, they're the most, you know, oh, don't upset this, or don't, oh, oh, don't be offended, oh, I don't want to be offended, oh, don't cause anyone any harm, you know. Um, and I'm not saying you know be a bad person either. I'm just saying that um, throughout history, there there were never enough Nazis to get everything they wanted done. They needed the German people to do it. And the German people um, who complied, you know, what I'm saying is there isn't enough fascists to impose fascism. They need to do it top down. So they need to get the people to impose it on each other. That's how you get fascism to work. And you get them to convince them that it's all for their own good and that the other people are bad dehumanize them and then you can send them on trains to god knows where or you can lock them in their house that was an historical reference from 70 years ago or you can lock them in their houses and if they come out run them over with a horse get the idea signed but that policeman oh no we need to do this for the public good the public health this woman needs to be run over by a horse yep we can't have her catching a virus with a 99% survival rate and spreading it to other people who might have a 99% survival rate. Trample her skull with those hooves. It's for her own good. Anyway, Joe Pinkston from the Mail Online. Scientists have found evidence that some face masks which are on sale and being used by members of the general public are laced with toxic chemicals. Preliminary tests have revealed traces of a variety of compounds which are heavily restricted for both health and environmental reasons. This includes formaldehyde, a chemical known to cause watery eyes, a burning sensation in the eyes, nose and throat, coughing, wheezing and nausea. Isn't formaldehyde in some... Uh, that's what they store dead bodies in, isn't it? And I think they put it in some vaccines as well, although I don't have that source in front of me, so I'm just... maybe... Experts are concerned that the presence of these chemicals in masks, which are being worn for prolonged periods of time, could cause unintended health issues. No. No, I'm sure in inhaling toxic chemicals all day, every day when you're wearing a mask. Like some people, <laughs> you see a lot of police wearing their masks in their cars. Um, I did used to see a few normal people um, wearing uh, their masks in their cars, but not that many. But all the time I do, I see the police doing it. And it's important to point out 
that this is not an anti-police podcast. My problem is not with the police. It is with the people giving them the orders. Um, you know, those politicians in Belgium think that's okay what happened to that woman. My beef isn't with the police. They just do as they're told. Um, and our beef shouldn't be with the police either. We should befriend them and say, well, in uh, in the UK they serve the royal court, so as long as the Queen is okay with what they do to us, then you know, because they take an oath to the Queen over here with the police force in the UK. Other countries, I think they take a vow to sort of protect and serve the people, don't they? Not here in England, though. So as long as the Queen's okay with you being trampled by a horse, the police are upholding their oath. I just hope that there are wonderful, good police force, uh, police people in that in that police service that stand up to this and be the policemen that they want to be and we need them to be and um, that they don't get too disheartened by what's going on they don't get too disheartened by being in the ranks with you know the people like that Belgian police officer because you know that there are some in Britain like that as well I'm sure they'd be quite happy to do that not all I don't know how many I don't know I know all the police I know are good people but you get where I'm going with that good pe good police don't get disheartened get vocal speak out you know what good's your pension if um if you're not going to be able to leave the house to spend it anyway evidence obtained by e-textile news and shared with mail online reveals that although face masks should meet specific standards not all do Masks have been mandated in much of the world as they are a highly effective way of preventing transmission of coronavirus particles. High, they are highly effective for a short time, one way, but again, go and see the Reuters article for yourself. But face coverings designed for use by the general public are not regulated and fail to meet the same standards as medical grade PPE. Uh, what we are breathing through our mo mouth and nose is actually hazardous waste. Professor Braungart said, and he is the director at Hamburg Environmental Institute. These used masks were found to contain formaldehyde and other chemicals. Formaldehyde is the chemical which gives the clean smell when a new pack of masks is opened. He also found aniline, a known carcinogen. We found formaldehyde and even aniline and noticed that unknown artificial fragrances were being applied to cover any unpleasant chemical smells from the mask, he said. In the case of blue-coloured surgical masks, we found cobalt, which can be used as a blue dye. All in all, we have a chemical cocktail in front of our nose and mouth that has never been tested for either toxicity or any long-term effects on health. Was he talking about the mask or the vaccine there? Oh, the mask! Right, okay. Um, so that's where I'll leave it. You can go and read more for yourself as ever. Two days ago from the BBC, COVID, US rules out federal vaccine passports. The White House has ruled out introducing mandatory federal COVID-19 vaccination passports, saying citizens' privacy and rights should be protected. Um, I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, but I like that. Can't argue with that. The certain states have gone even further. If we have time, we'll, I'll give you those articles as well. This is by Dennis Campbell, the 7th of March, 2021, from The Observer, and it's re-echoed by The Guardian. Surgeons fear wave of lawsuits over delays to cancer treatment, leading doctors issue warnings after COVID forces hospitals to postpone scans and urgent operations. 
The NHS is facing what doctors fear is a legal storm of claims for compensation from patients who could not get cancer treatment during the pandemic. Leading cancer surgeons are warning that patients who could not have surgery at a planned time or a scan or see the GP because of COVID-related disruptions to services may sue if their cancer subsequently spread. I'm very concerned that patients will pursue legal action as a result of delays to them receiving cancer treatment during the pandemic. I am um, i don't like how that accountability works, suing the NHS. Well, the NHS is just following orders, perhaps suing the people that gave the orders. <laughs> and in that, you start to look at um, people who gave the orders. Who were they listening to? The people that gave the predictions? Professor Pants Down, Neil Ferguson. Because his foot and mouth predictions were so accurate, weren't they? So uh, I don't want to see a single doctor sued. I don't want to... Because that annoys me. If the NHS is sued, guess who funds that? Taxpayers. So we pay for that. So the government can screw up. People can die of it. We don't get to use the service we paid for. And then the ones that don't die of it can sue. So we have to pay more. And all along the time, nothing happens to the politicians. I'm all for these uh, cancer people suing, but it should be charged to, <laughs> you know, we need to have accountability. And uh, I don't blame the doctors. They just followed orders. Orders, I think, you know, I could see the two weeks to flatten the curve to begin with because we didn't know what we're doing with. But after that, yeah. Um, and of course, I, I think, the numerous hospital there, there were the doctors there were i'm not a covid denier covid is real some of those hospitals were over those people were incredibly stressed out um yeah so they've done all the best that they can following the order that they've given only to been turned around and sued no not the doctors sue the government and for for the love of sanity let that money not come from the taxpayer pocket please you know, um, let's go and get some of that track and trace money back. How many billions were for that? So, yeah, all for suing, not not the doctors, though. Our next article here, it was uh, today's news. Prince Philip has died. I just wanted to bring you this article from March of last year, Tuesday, the March of 3rd, 2020. Just wanted to remind you about this one. Prince Philip Gaff. What was the shock joke Duke made about deadly viruses? Prince Philip is known for his bold jokes over the years. Some might ref, uh, replace the word bold with racist. Uh, some might not. And the Duke of Edinburgh even once made a comment about deadly viruses. Um, he did more than that. Um, if you go and search Prince Philip overpopulation, you'll find that too many overpopulation, i.e. too many people in the world, was what concerned Philip the most. And... Um, where is it? He said, uh, in the event that I'm reincarnated, Prince Philip reportedly said, uh, Deutsche Press. See, that, that's the thing. Did he say it or didn't he? In 1988, the Duke of Edinburgh joked about deadly viruses when speaking to Deutsche Press. Prince Philip reportedly said, in the event that I'm reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus to contribute something to solving overpopulation. Well, did he say it or didn't he? I think, he, you know, reportedly. Well, go and look at the interview then. You know, that's not very good reporting from the Express. And I'm reporting upon re bad reporting. But anyway. Um, yeah, so that is a man that thought there were too many people in the world. 
Um, that is a man. Uh, that, oh, too many people, and of course the people of Britain uh, were paying his wages so he could uh, do. To anyone that said, "Oh, he had all that service record and everything," did he? I'm sure he was right there in the front lines. And of course, his sons, Prince Charles, good buddies with the biggest British paedophile, uh, known paedophile, Jimmy Savile, and Prince Andrew, uh, best buddies with the probably the world's known greatest known paedophile. I use that word greatest, of course, in the terms of biggest, Jeffrey Epstein. So, um, and we haven't even begun on Lord Mountbatten and all that kind of stuff. So, um, lot of paedophiles around the royal family. Uh, no evidence to suggest that any of them are involved in any of it. But um, their mates always turn out to be nonces, and even after they turn out to be nonces, they do still want to be mates with them. Uh, obviously not now, not, not like Epstein as uh, <coughs> suicide. <laughs> Go and look at my doc. Um, well, yeah, go and look at my analysis. I wouldn't say documentary because um, I grew up watching documentaries and they're way better than what I produce. But yeah, I put some work and effort into researching that one. That's on the Cruise YouTube. Uh, it's called uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and Other Falling Masks or just Lane or anything. I don't know. Um, who knows? Anyway, so that's my view on Prince Philip, and uh, that's all factual. And um, yeah, we were giving millions out to royal weddings while our um, homeless went hungry. And of course, those a lot of those homeless were ex-military as well. So uh, I imagine that Prince Philip wasn't one of those military guys that was worried about what would happen to him. When he left the service, would he be looked after? Would he end up on the streets like so many of our brave servicemen have done? I'm sure he, all those thoughts were running through his head. Our next article here tonight. Next article here tonight from The Telegraph. Victory for Amazon as majority of Alabama warehouse workers vote against union. Amazon has quashed a historic unionization vote in Alabama that would have led to the creation of its first union in the US. And workers at the Bessemer warehouse voted 1798 to 738 against joining the retail, wholesale and department store union, Labour officials said. The final tally is yet to come in. The result means Amazon has avoided its biggest labour threat to date from US workers and has avoided its first unionised warehouse in America. Around 5,800 people work at Amazon's Bessemer, Alabama facility and 3,215 cast a vote. The union said it would file a legal challenge against both the election and claims of unfair labour practices against labour workers. It has requested a hearing with the US labour regulator, the National Labour Relations Board, to determine if the results of the election should be set aside because conduct by the employer created an atmosphere of confusion, coercion and fear of reprisals and thus interfered with the employee's freedom of choice. Yeah, I was about to say, I've seen this, the articles on how bad those Amazon people work uh, in their conditions and stuff. I mean, well, you know, I haven't seen every single warehouse, ever, but I've seen some bad ones. What on earth would make two thirds go, no, we don't want anyone to stand up for us, we're fine. So more than that meets the eye in my opinion um 
Last week, Amazon admitted that its delivery drivers were sometimes forced to urinate in bottles while working. Uh, so, you know, we're not exactly, they're not exactly looked after these people, are they? So why on earth? I, I, I would love to know about that. How, I, what on earth happened with that vote? Uh, I would genuinely love to know the reasons why. Uh, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe there was a really good reason. But yeah, I reckon. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I reckon. What is it said? The the National Labour Relations Board uh, determined the results of the election could be set aside by the employer creating an atmosphere of confusion, coercion, and fear of reprisals. Yeah, that's probably where I'd start. But who knows? I wanted to cover that article because I think it's important. And also a big shout out to my listeners over there in the United States or the, the used to be United States, the um, probably split split down the middle United States now. Uh, I don't blame them. Uh, well, I think the whole world is being split in between those that want power to the individual and those that want to give power to the state and all its various subcategories thereof. But it all usually boils down to that. Power to the state, power to the person. Uh, solar storm that appeared like a great fire in 1582 could hit Earth again this century, causing billions in damages and knocking out power grids worldwide, experts warn. A solar storm hit Earth in 1582 that looked like a great fire in the sky. The storm lasted for three days and stretched from Europe to East Asia. Today the storm would cause worldwide blackouts and billions in damages. Um, so still be nowhere near as bad as Covid, which is trillions in damages. The 1582 storm is said to happen every century, suggesting Earth is due. There was another one. Oh, I'm trying to remember the name. This is off the top of my head now. Carrington event? Maybe I've got that wrong, but it was sort of like 18 something or other. There were telegraph poles. We, It was... That was the era of the, the time we were using telegraph poles. That was the technology at the time. So I think that's um, eighteen late 1800s um, sort of time. That's when he went. But I think it was called the Carrington event where <clears throat> something just, it just melted them all. We had like some sort of solar flare and it was like a big old melting thing. This is all in the history books. You can look, that, look this up for yourselves. And if that happened today, it would be frying stuff all over the place. So... Um, yeah, worth bearing in mind. I thought I'd um, uh, give that article for you. And that was by Stacey Libertore on the 2nd of April of this year, 2021. Ah, another good article here. Chris Whitty, society will have to learn to live with COVID in similar way to the flu. Now, what is Facebook going to do to him? Because that's what so-called conspiracy people have been saying for months now you know and those conspiracy types break into down into various groups there's the type like me which is covid is real deal with it get on with your life it's not as bad as the stats would have us believe and a lot of those stats and tests are dodgy anyway that's my opinion then you've got the um it's all a numbers game it's all a scam what i would call the the, the david ike um standpoint um but initially both those uh, schools of thought and you get other ones as well don't you but th th those two main schools of thought um, and of course that it breaks down into subcategories there of once you believe there's a virus uh, did it escape accidentally from Wuhan or was it released, released purposely or you're a bat soup sort of person 
So there's all sorts of subcategories there of in the in the conspiracy world, but mainly they all unite under the fact that no more lockdown. Um, whether you believe the virus or real is not, the cure is worse than the virus and the cure being lockdown. So for Chris Whitty to then go and say pretty much exactly what the conspiracy types have been saying for a year now and have been banned for Facebook for doing so, what what happens now then? You know, do you call Chris Whitty a conspiracy theorist? England's chief medical officer says unrealistic to think border policy can stop new variants entering. The idea that COVID variants can be stopped by entering the country is simply not realistic. Well, uh, New Zealand might disagree. Um, but on the other hand, it is unrealistic if you don't close down the borders at all. So um, could it be contained with a good border policy? It would definitely help. Um, I don't know about how any illegal immigration would affect that, but you'd certainly know where to look and where to pile your resources and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it, it can't be stopped from entering the country um, if you continue to do what you've done all year and put no flight restriction on, on it, Chris. Yeah, I agree with that statement there. And COVID will eventually have to be managed in a similar manner to serious seasonal viruses such as flu. Really? Um, go and look at those Office of National Statistics figures, Chris, and go and look at how the deaths are reported. You might find some of them are flu. Some, I didn't say all. Speaking at a Royal Society of Medicine webinar, England's chief medical advisor said that the relaxation of COVID restrictions was likely to result in the R number rising above one and the risk of variants gaining a foothold and spreading increasing. The more cases that have been ported, the quicker that will happen. As a result, Whitty said, border policies are focused on countries with more cases or more cases of particular variants than the UK. The UK is a net exporter of the Kent B117 variant, so other countries are understandably putting their border measures up against us to slow that down. We are a net importer of other variants that are a bit more of a worry from the vaccine point of view. That's really what drives a lot of the policy. When it, it is being rational, accepting that border policy isn't always fully rational, he said. Whitty said and the majority of experts believe COVID was not going to go away and it would eventually have to be managed in a similar manner to flu. In a bad year, flu can kill 20,000 to 25,000 people. Uh, I'm assuming that's Britain. Um, it obviously can kill a lot more worldwide. It is not flu. It is a completely different disease. But the point I'm making is here is a seasonal, very dangerous disease that kills thousands of people every year. And society has chosen a particular way around it, he said, which is to get on with your life and build up your immune system using, you know, decent things like vitamin D and zinc and all the other things that Matt Hancock doesn't believe in or willfully lies about. While Witty noted that factors like go and look at the pre before before you go, what is you what are you talking to? You're just taking a diss at Matt Hancock for no reason. Go and look at the back catalogue of my work. I have catalogued those specific incidents while Whitty noted that factors such as variance and population density were important, he cautioned against trying to explain how COVID had affected different countries by focusing on just one or two factors, noting that Germany was now facing a difficult situation despite its previous success in tackling COVID largely being put down to its diagnostic capabilities. So, just wanted to give you that one. This is a bad news one. Czech vaccines. European Rights Court backs mandatory preschool jabs. 
look for a massive rise in Czech Republic people to be homeschooling then. The European Court of Human Rights has backed the Czech Republic in its requirement for pre mandatory preschool vaccinations. The case was brought by families who were fined or those whose children were refused entry to preschools because they had not been vaccinated. In a landmark ruling, the court found that while the Czech policy interfered with the right to a private life, there was a need to protect public health. Yes, it goes back to exactly what I was saying. Right of the state versus right of the individual. That's what it all boils down to one way or another. All the cases predate the pandemic. However, the issue of routine childhood vaccinations has come under increasing scrutiny due to the spread of COVID-19. Child vaccinations fall sharply amid pandemic. Uh, this is the first ruling from ECHR on compulsory vaccination against childhood diseases. Um, under Czech rules, parents are legally obligated to vaccinate their children against a number of childhood diseases unless it is not possible for health reasons. Um, However, the jabs cannot be forcibly given and unvaccinated children cannot be excluded on the basis once they reach primary school age. So it's mandatory, but you can't make them. And they have to have them to go to school, but they can't be excluded. So we'll see how this we'll see how this pans out. Um, and again, you know, I think. Oh, by the way, the judges backed the Czech legislation by sixteen to one. So um, the Czech people, well, homeschooling is going through a massive boom because of a variety of reasons. This will simply add to it in the Czech Republic. Um, other parents had been refused preschool places while one father was fined for failing to fully vaccinate his children. The Czech Republic is not the only EU country with mandatory childhood vaccinations. Uh, no vaccine, no school in Italy. Yeah, so... It's mandatory if you want to go to the state indoctrination facilities. I say homeschool. In my humble, opinionated news monkey view. Uh, last year came into effect in Germany requiring all parents to vaccinate their child against measles or face a fine up to €2,500. So that's pretty much. Um, France and Italy have changed their vaccine. That's awful, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's bad enough. You know, right, if you want to come to the school, you've got to take a vaccine. That's bad enough. Right, well, we won't go to school then. But it's like, you know, two and a half thousand euros. You know, that's £2,160, according to the BBC. That's awful. That's terrible. Mind you, Germany does have a history of this kind of... Um, they were the first, Germany, I think, to do a health card. They're, um, yeah, let me just pause this and I will... Do a little search for you on that. So I'm reading from Wikipedia, not exactly the um, the greatest uh, source I know, but so um, this was uh, the law for the prevention of hereditary diseased offspring, enacted on July the fourteenth, nineteen thirty-three, allowed the compulsory sterilisation of any citizen who, according to the opinion of a genetic health court, suffered from a list of alleged genetic disorders and required physicians to register every case of hereditary illness known to them, except in women over 45 years of age. Physicians could be fined for failing to comply. In 1934, the first year of the law's operation, nearly 4,000 people appealed against the decision of sterilisation authorities. A total of 3,559 of the appeals failed, 
um, and over 200 hereditary health courts were created and under their rulings over 400,000 persons were sterilised against their will. Um, so yeah, the law for simplification of the health system of July 1934 created information centres for genetic and racial hygiene as well as health offices. The law also described procedures for uh, denunciation and evaluation of persons who were then sent to the genetic health court. So I'm sure you don't need me to tell you who was in charge of Germany at the time. Um, isn't that nice? So uh, yeah, that's uh, a little bit of bad news there. Elon Musk's firm Neuralink has the tech to build a real Jurassic Park, co-founder says. So a quick uh, question on that one. It's, uh, I'm sure this is, this is by April the 7th, Natalie O'Neill. The co-founder of Elon Musk's firm Neuralink says they have found the technology to build a real-life version of Jurassic Park. We could probably build Jurassic Park if we wanted to, Max Hodak tweeted Saturday. Wouldn't be genetically authentic dinosaurs, but maybe 15 years of breeding plus engineering to get super exotic novel species. Hodak didn't elaborate on how this neurotechnology company might be able to revive the long extinct prehistoric beasts, but he later championed the idea, claiming it would increase biodiversity. <laughs> Not for the things it eats, it doesn't. <laughs> There'll be less of them, mate. Um, so, uh, yeah, whenever you're messing around with the food chain, oh, blimey, uh, you know, it's like... Yeah, I think you get where you're going with that. Yeah, nature usually knows best, doesn't it? Really, um, I, I don't have an opinion on Elon Musk either way. He says a lot of things I like, some things I dislike. Um, but my question is if he ever was to choose a place in the world to build a real life Jurassic Park, and by the way, I do like his maverick attitude of like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway, oh, let's blast something into space, let's do this. That's the sort of thing that, you know, from the creation of fire to other technologies, we need mavericks like him, um, regardless of whether he says or things I like or dislike. People like that are good for the world, I think. Um, well, <laughs> for now, we'll see if he end up doing it and won't be good for the things that these things eat, I would assume. But my question is this. If you were to build a real-life Jurassic Park theme park what would it do for property prices in the local area because it would obviously be a huge attraction which means it would imply a huge amount of people and that would mean a huge amount of money back in the local area and of course a lot of it will be siphoned off offshore to shareholders and like that but still you're getting a lot, lot of rank and file money into that area which hadn't been there before but on the other hand We've all had it where a neighbour's dog has got out of the back garden and causes havoc in the street. What happens? <laughs> you know what, uh, uh, yeah, I'm from the local park uh, down the road. Uh, now, don't panic, but have you seen our little pet Rex? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. What does Rex look like? Hmm. I think you'd know him if you see him. Yeah. Okay, not not to worry. Sorry to have bothered you. Um, here's my card. Do let me know if you see him. Well, I don't know what he looks like. Trust me. 
you'll know. Thank you very much for your time. So what does it do for property prices in that area? Who knows? Willie Bill one, I don't know. Oh, this is a good one as well, I like this. Mark Zuckerberg caught using Signal Secure chat app, main competitor of Facebook owned WhatsApp report. I love it. They always put adverts on YouTube like saying how secure WhatsApp is. And yet all the time you see all these uh, cases where um, uh, you've got people, you know, WhatsApp messages being presented as evidence and stuff like that. And... Um, I don't know whether it's just the phone or anything like that, but if you, if you start chatting about things in front of your phone, then Facebook adverts for it will pop up. I know I'm not the only one that's noticed that. There's a few fair few people like that. And also, love it with old Zuckerberg. He um, he was always about oh, you know, there's no no one's looking at your laptop, but he is caught in a photo as well of him with little tape over his laptop thing, which of course I do as well. So uh, I just love this, you know, um, yeah. I'm not going to be putting my data over that. <laughs> I own it. I know what I do with that data. Cambridge Analytica, anyone? No. No. It's all forgotten with Britain's goldfish memory now. So details from more than 500 million Facebook users have been found available on a website for hackers. <laughs> a hack of millions of Facebook users' data has revealed that the company's CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, uses the secure messaging app Signal one of the main competitors of the Facebook-owned WhatsApp. Dave Walker, a cybersecurity researcher, discovered that Zuckerberg was among more than 533 million Facebook users whose information was leaked in the 2019 hack Mashable reported. I always wonder how these companies make their money, you know, because there's no such thing as a free lunch, is there? So, you know, they're providing a service. How are they making their money back because WhatsApp free? I know they've got their premium services and all that kind of stuff, but really... It does make me wonder. And that's the same thing for everyone. I'm, I personally use Telegram, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me to hear that they've been bought out or in a, you know some news to say, oh, they're not good anymore or anything like that. But it's the constant Star Wars thing. We, we want privacy, we want freedom. So the more for the fascists come down on us with their censorship in tech or their um, lockdowns in real life, the more people start to go, well, hang on a second. Two weeks to flatten the curve was a year ago, and hang on a second... It's secure, but you flog my data to all these third parties. Hang on a second. So I just like this. This is just that's a good story, that. Um, and wonderful advertising for Signal. And that was uh, published a couple of days ago by Fox Business News on April the 7th. Continuing with our final five minutes here, an article from the Washington Times. And this is a statement from Joe Biden. This is from the Washington Times. Biden says his massive tax increase will make the economy better. <laughs> President Biden took an early victory lap Friday on a strong jobs report, but said the surge in hiring in March won't deter him from pushing through a multi-trillion dollar infrastructure plan with a massive tax increase. Now, I do believe it was uh, JFK, wasn't it, that um, proved that if you lower taxes, it stimulates the economy. But... Um, I'm just going from memory there. Look into that for yourself, uh, Joe Biden. I'm all, I'm more interested in what is on his son's laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop. There's, I don't want to see it. It sounds pretty gruesome. But uh, without seeing it, I don't want to make any aspersions because everyone has the right to listen to proven guilty. But uh, yeah, Joe Joe Biden. I can just imagine it when uh, when he was informed that he was going to be the next president of the United States. Joe, you've won. One what? You know, 
him he's, and that's not me taking the mickey out of people with um, cognitive issues or anything um, I, I'm taking the mickey out of a figurehead um, a figurehead that's passed a lot of laws and um, you know the things he said you know if you're going to rule by executive order you're a dictator and then he goes and signs a load of executive orders I'm just tired of the hypocrisy I'm making fun of the hypocrisy of the head of state not not older people with cognitive issues and um, and bear that in mind when I now will call him from Joe the Dalek Biden because they both have difficulty getting up the stairs and man what a mistake he made uh, poking fun at Putin Putin just humiliated him um, and good for Putin and uh, Putin's a dictator too so yeah it goes back to uh, just because I say I'm not fond of a cat doesn't mean I love dogs most pubs won't reopen on April the 12th. Industry bosses warn 60% of boozers will not welcome back customers because they won't have enough space. British Beer and Pub Association says 75% of pubs have garden or outside space, but only 40% of venues have one large enough to be able to make enough cash. Therefore, it estimates that only 17% of pubs will welcome back customers. The majority of pubs will not reopen on April the 12th because they do. Anyway, it just goes through blah, 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 the facts and the figures that were in the headline. That's by Rory Tingle for the Mail Online. And that was from the 2nd of April. The Guardian up next, Rutger Bregman, the real Lord of the Flies. What happened when six boys were shipwrecked for 15 months? Saturday, the 9th of May on 2020. Well, I bet. They probably went through quite a lot of hand cream and toilet paper, I would have thought, depending on the age. How old, how old were they? Uh, if, if it was, um, if it was uh, teenage years, there would be an unpleasant smell coming from, uh, from that island, I would have thought. Um, when a group of schoolboys were marooned on an island in 1965, it turned out very differently from William Golding's bestseller, writes Rutger Bregman. For centuries, Western culture has been permeated by the idea that humans are selfish creatures. That cynical image of humanity has been proclaimed in films and novels, history books and scientific research. But in the last 20 years, something extraordinary has happened. Scientists from all over the world have switched to a more hopeful view of mankind. This development is still so young that researchers in different fields often don't know about each other. And that's as much as I can read because it's behind their register for free and continue reading thing. Is the Northern Independence Party more serious than it looks? I like this one. Do you remember me saying that uh, inevitably new parties would emerge based on no lockdowns and the idea that Keir Starmer, a knighted lord, doesn't represent the working class unions? Uh, it is inevitable. It is inevitable. Plus the fact that there are Tories that um, don't want to be locked down, that are totally against Boris. Uh, they want to conserve... Uh, British culture rather than you know keep it in the house and if it comes out of the house run over it with a horse those sorts of Tories so it's inevitable these uh, people are going to come together at some point and in the north I don't imagine they would need it the Tories up there I don't think they're well liked anyway so uh, this is the big who knows whether this is going to be the next big party um, and I uh, I'm a lever in Brexit and I'm a believer. I'm a lever because I'm a believer that democracy works best at a local, accountable level, and minimum government is the way to go. Just as a general rule on everything, um, you know, I'll listen to other points of view and all that uh, little issues. But generally, 
democracy works best at a local level where it's accountable to the people that can shout it down at a local meeting and bring shame upon their local community if they um, don't honour their commitments. That's how I think democracy works best. You hold your politicians uh, to account, you hold them to their promises, otherwise what do you get? You get a country in Britain where they go, well they all lies, there's no point voting. Oh right, so effectively you've just sent the message out to them that it doesn't matter, uh, we're not going to vote you in or out or do anything about your corruption. What do you think is going to happen to a population when its leaders know there is no accountability to them? Um, so if they want a Northern Independence Party, I say do it properly. You do away with the central banks, um, you issue your own currencies, um, you ha really do bring it back to the local level and all laws up for debate and referendum. You know, let's not have laws that are dictated to on high, let's have the ones that the people want. So if the North want to legalise weed, go independent and do it. You know, if they want to uh, bow out of their own taxation areas and just pay it to, to a new thing, go, do you know what? We've decided that you've got us billions in debt. You're not worthy of handling our money anymore. Give all the hospitals to us and we're going to form a new taxation system. This would be terrible for the system because you know that the system's been siphoning and parasiting us for, for years. Where do you think those millions and billions go? Um, why do you think every year taxes go up above the rate of inflation and services go down? Right. Debt. Who got us into the debt? Right. So you, you just walk away at that point. This would be a tremendous thing. It would be such a massive shot across the bow. Uh, I'm all for it. Good on the North. Um, so in recent years, the North of England has become a blank slate for whichever stereotypes London-based media wants to foist in it. Whether the debate is the red wall or left behind voters. Um, no, what I see that is uh, real people who don't buy into the BS that Westminster is shoveling down our throats anymore. Good for the North. Um, and of course, if the Northern Independence people go no lockdowns, then that is a control experiment. My, 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 wouldn't that be interesting in England to have areas locked down versus non-lockdown. Oh, what a science experiment that would be. What a data collection point that would be. And I don't think the pro-lockdown cause would hold up very well. So this is something that the system would massively be keen to stamp out. We cannot have, um, you know, they're all about centralised government. Because, of course, when you've got centralised government, you only need to have one puppet that you need to blackmail, cajole, bribe, whatever insert you need to go in there. And then he tops it down to the rest of his people. And, you know, of course, anyone that calls them, it would just call them a conspiracy theorist get the media to back them up but when you have lots of little it's like whack-a-mole you can't control them all that's why centralization is the thing and that's why they always like the cor corporations are always centralized as well look at the look at the different here's a good one for you look at the service you get from a small family-run business and a corporation that is exactly the same analogy for what i would do with the democracy at a um miles away level done by bureaucrats that don't even know your name versus Going, I'm I'm unhappy with this. I'm going to go down my word and have a word with Fred. He's going to, he's going to get a piece of my mind. I'm unhappy with this service. What do you think gets more bang for your taxpayer buck? Anyway, that's my views here on this week of Beyond the News. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, I've overrun by a few minutes again. Not to worry though. Ta-ta.